This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Whether you're an expert chef or as many of our listeners actually are, a connoisseur of great cuisine, Zupan's Markets has been the number one destination for food and wine lovers in Portland and beyond for over 40 years. No other market can claim to be as focused on the Portland area as Zupan's. Our people, our farms, and selection of great foods starting right at the produce section that you expect. And you need to check out their new website. They've built their website to be as beautiful as their stores, and it's also quite functional. You can click away and have some of their delicious prepared foods ready for you when you arrive at the store at one of their four locations. You know, what I like, as I noted on the upper left corner of the site, there's a fresh this week button. You click on that and it takes you to their sale flyers. Another great thing is they have uh, is their flowers, which are unbelievable. I was out at the Lake Oswego location just the other day. Mm -hmm. Beautiful flowers. And you can order those and they'll be delivered. Those will be delivered. Absolutely. It's the freshest, most local market you can find with the best ingredients and prepared food anywhere in Portland. Four locations and I guarantee it one of them is near you. Right. West Burnside, Belmont, Lake Grove, and the store I go to most often, McAdam. And of course, you can check out their brand new, beautiful website, zoopans.com. Back at it for another week. Nay, Chris, you just pointed this out to me before we went on uh, to record this. A new year, a brand new year. This is the first episode of 2017. And just to say, I didn't, the reason I had to point it out to you is yeah. because we recorded these podcasts in advance. Right. So it's not like we're sitting here in 2017 and it was obvious. Right. Yeah, no, we're, we're still at this point a few weeks out. Right. We chose to start 2017 with Jesse Card at Bithouse Saloon. Yeah. That was a conscious decision. You 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 know Jesse. This is the first time I met him. I've, I've been to his place before. Right. But uh, this is the first time I met him, and uh, it, this is an awesome way to kick off 2017. I think so. I think here's a guy who built a bar in a city of great bars. Yeah. Uh, one that is... Arguably the coolest one there, and and that's not just me saying that. There are various uh, media and uh, lots of people who think so. Absolutely. Before we do our official intro, though, to Jesse, we do got to point out, as we're talking about 2017, we're starting 2017, but a great way to maybe wrap up your 2017 fall winterish is by going on a trip with you chris that's very kind of you to say Kurt. yeah i really appreciate it and it's not just me it's with jose chesa or and or rick Ciancarelli of lardo grassa and now beer belly yeah. which just opened uh he's got a trifecta of restaurants over there on washington it's southwest just washington wrapping around just wrapping around <laughs> he's taking over the block yeah. but at any rate uh very quickly and i appreciate the opportunity to bring this public service announcement to everyone uh in late september early october we're doing two trips with great chefs and uh they are experiencing both florence and tuscany and Barcelona in ways that you just can't do if you're just planning to go yourselves. Yeah, you know, going somewhere you've never been before, or it, it, you can read a book about it, you can watch some travel shows, but having like a personal guide who knows their way around that can get you in, into the, some of these places, that's key to a great travel experience. It's not only that, because you can do that. You can go to Yelp and you can hire a guide. Sure. And you can, but not many, even Jose Chessa's wife mm-hmm. doesn't get to hang out with him as much as 
our folks who go on our trips with him. This is 3.0 wow. to Barcelona. Get to hang out with him for a week and and just have some downtime. You're, not, you're so, not causing any marital strife there by making that all. statement? Not at all. I think she's she loves Jose and his heart is in Barcelona and the fact that he gets to um, show everybody yeah. the place he loves so much and take everybody places. Uh, is really special, and um, we have limited number of spots on that trip, and also to the Tuscany region with Rick. We're doing some foraging for truffles. We're doing some beer tasting mm. in Florence, which is not what nor- people would normally do. Right. Also some wine tasting, and uh, we're having some special meals in uh, private homes with people there that you would not be able to put together otherwise. Yeah. And we have... Um, a wonderful woman, Astri, of um, Taste of Italy, yeah. who's from Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got an incredible story growing up in Montana and at the age of 15 seeing a National Geographic and falling in love with Tuscany and getting there by 17. Wow. So, um, she's, gonna sh- she's helping us put together uh, this trip, and uh, you can find it all at portlandfoodadventures.com. Go to the blog tab for the itinerary and pricing. And in addition to those trips, you can see some local events. We have one coming up at Dame, a really cool wine event at one of the coolest wine bars. You're going to hear Dana Frank next week, as a matter of fact. Uh, and if you're listening to this in the archives, you can look for her and hear that as well. There we go. All right. Now now to Jesse, our, our uh, man of honor. Is that what we're calling him? Our, our selectee for the first episode of 2017. Yes. As I mentioned before, I had never met him before, but I loved this conversation with him because here's a guy who was lived in like the most exotic place. I would love to have lived where he lived when he was down in uh, St. Croix. And yet, for whatever reason, and we'll talk about it, he comes back to Portland to, uh, to as you pointed out, create one of the coolest bars here in Portland. Yeah, and he's got some good chops, too, going in. And uh, his bartenders are all, they all have their own nuance that they bring to the back of the bar there, and uh, it's a cool place. And it was, you know, I didn't know Jesse very well other than some email communication and maybe one or two conversations along the way, so it was a pleasure for me to get to know him, and we hope our listeners get to know, well, 45 minutes worth of Jesse Card. Mm-hmm. Right at the Fork is supported by Leanne Bach of M Realty. Choosing the right realtor can make or break the buying or selling experience in real estate. Leanne Bach is in tune with the ever-changing Portland landscape, especially as it pertains to our food and restaurant world. Why not work with someone who's in step with you? Find Leanne at LeanneBach.com. L-E-A-N-N-E-B-A-C-H.com. And by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and craft beer. Emphasizing locally sourced items. Zupan's has been inspiring food lovers and local chefs for over 40 years with the very best Northwest bounty in Portland. West Burnside, Southeast Belmont, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Zupan's Markets. Love your food. Court, you realize we have royalty in the, uh, in the house, right? I have no idea what you're talking about here. Well, you've been getting all sorts of accolades for BitHouse. It's been fun, man. It's been a fun couple years. Yeah. You know, it's been, been a fun 16 months. It's uh, I'm I'm shocked at uh, at how well received we've been in some in some instances. And it's even better that you're having fun while being well received. It's the whole it's the whole point of the bar, man. You know, we just want to have fun. I mean, we uh, uh, fun is the motto. Fun is the fun is the directive. That uh, that we want, you so, know. You know, after d- 
meeting people for six years in this community, I think it's finally starting to set in that you that everybody. Well, I know that everybody. Most people have a passion for what they do. That's different than having fun and really wanting to do it. So, um, I'm just learning that you know if if push came to shove and someone said you can take six months off and go hang out at the beach, and I don't mean my beach. I mean like St. Croix here, <laughs> or work. You're probably going to say, I want to go have fun at, at, at my bar. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. I love being at my bar. That's, what about you, Court? Would you take... No, I, as I was looking through through uh, your your little bio, Jesse, I was like, you left St. Croix to come back to Portland. And I, you know, as much as I love Portland, it's just like I, I'd end up on a beach any day of the year. You know, I, I miss scuba diving before work every day. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I have two small children and Portland was the space for me. To come back to, I needed to bring them back. Kids, the ultimate spoiler. Hey, absolutely, yep. absolutely. I just but ignored I it and came out with them and against their wishes years right, right. ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I, it's funny though. I had a lot more that I wanted to do that I couldn't accomplish down there. It's a, you know, it's a small town. It's a small little island, and uh, the the success we've had at Bidhouse and the things that I've been able to do at Bidhouse, I never would have been able to do down there. And so I think that taking something that you love and being and being passionate about it, but be, but having you know, Portland provides me the opportunity to do as much crazy shit as we want to. Well, plus you're comfortable here. You grew up here. Totally. So, um, I love Portland. I'm, I'm excited for what Portland is. You know, people, there's a lot of people that kind of shit on the new Portland and what, what is this new Portland? I, I like this new Portland. I like what, I like the evolution of Portland. It's got to evolve, right? You Everything has I mean, to. we're bitching while I'm bitching while I'm sitting in traffic, but otherwise I, I have to say, I remember years ago with Tony Cafiero having a conversation at Metro Vino, and he said, you know, there just aren't enough people here to for all these wonderful restaurants to s- survive. And, well, there's, and there still aren't, you know, I mean, we're well, still... Well, but it's going in that direction, at least, uh, you know, and I see a lot of restaurants thriving now. Thriving, that the definition of thriving is up, you know, up for question. Yeah, completely. Um, you know, surviving and thriving are two different things, but at least that's all happening now, and there are wonderful opportunities completely there's a, there's a much higher su- survival rate right now you think so than six years ago absolutely i think for the way that people are pushing it and then you know what i look at i look at the windows of bid house and i see 600 units that are being built within four blocks of us and i think that this is this is exactly what where we need to be right now and that was that was not part was that part of your planning process did you know that when you saw the space we didn't know it at the time we right. didn't know no it one said time. and I mean, by the a, way this but, is going to be happening yeah Scheifler furniture is going out you know they're they're closing down they're building a hotel there uh you know the all the units that are going right next to grand central bowl they, you know there was there was some construction going on there but we didn't really have an inkling of what was happening there you know we just knew that you know we got to the front door of east bank and looked in and said this is this is absolutely happening man there's no way that the east bank's going to slip past us so uh, were other people looking at it when you looked at it? I'm not sure who else was. Um, I know it had been on for a little bit, and uh, uh, Rob and Jay, who own uh, Crowbar and uh, the Lutz and Clinton Street Pub, um, you know, they just kind of wanted to add a saloon to their repertoire. And uh, <clears throat> it's you know it's a much bigger, much bigger project. It's totally different than the other bars that they have. And uh, I'm just glad they they let me in on this. So did that. Um so did the space dictate what Bithouse, obviously the name, but did the space dictate what it became? Did you have a vision before that? And you looked at it and said, okay, that matches my vision. 
the space dictated everything. The brick walls of Bidhouse is exactly what we wanted to highlight. Uh, you know, if you went in there before when it was East Bank Saloon, and East Bank was incredibly po- uh, popular. It was, I mean, in, 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 it was a success. It was a rousing success. It was open for 38 years. It was a sports bar for 38 years. And in this industry, to have a business that long is absolutely success. Yeah, especially in a city where there's really only one and then later another professional sports team. Right, exactly. Succeed as a sports bar. Totally. And uh, they, they they did a lot. And But, you know, they just covered those walls. I mean, they didn't do any structural improvements since the 80s. Once it went on the historic register, you really couldn't do anything to it. But all they did was, you know, it was a lot of, like, duct tape and a... And, and a extension cords that was holding that place together and Dale Earnhardt Jr. posters. So uh, when we went in, the, uh, the the idea was let's bring this building back to what it was in 1896 when Nat West built it. And it was brick and it was wood and it was brass. And those were the defining moments. Those were the defining pieces that we really wanted to showcase at Bidhouse. You did an incredible job because I can tell you the first time I walked in there, you just get this really warm feeling. And I know yeah. when we went in. Uh, very, very much the same ago. thing. It was just like. You feel the history of it when you walk in, and, and you want to be there. Yeah, right. It's and the other thing that comfortable. You, the other thing that you—that's yes. exactly what it, that's exactly what we went for. Just can we just have a comfortable, easygoing bar? Right. Yeah. And all the seats are comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. So the bar, the the what you have at the bar is extremely comfortable, very cushy. I like that. As the older I get, and it's the one place I don't have a lot of fat is my butt, <laughs> and I like. To be in a place that's comfortable, and then you know you can sit by the window in the front, and that's like you don't want to leave. That's what I want, man. I want people to stick around, you know. And uh, you know, we had a lot of help. Uh, one of my one of my dearest friends, Larissa Burden, um, she she runs Elk Collective Design. They're the ones that did Multnomah Whiskey Library, the Green Room, Small Wares, Bar Wares. And I had no idea that she had worked on restaurants and bars before. I just knew she was involved in design somehow. So when we uh, first took the project over, I uh, gave her a call and said, "Have you ever worked on a bar? Can we get you in?" And then she sent me her portfolio yeah. with, oh, okay. with the whiskey library and everything. It was great. Uh, you know, it was this, this bar was built on nepotism. That's the one thing that I love to talk about. It's like it's totally built on nepotism. And I called in all the favors I could to all my friends to help me make this as, as, as good as it could be. I don't think you have to worry about impeachment. No, not at all. <laughs> but um, you, but there are a lot of people you can call on in this. Totally. In this. And I had a lot of great local you know friends who grew up here that uh, I was able to task with getting stuff done. Um, and it worked out really well. And Larissa Burden and Elk Collective, they just killed it. You know, they, um, we didn't, there was not a lot of back and forth with us and them. Um, they came in with, with some ideas and it was perfect from the, from the get go. Good. So to change the subject a little bit, you had said that when Dave Cheneau was on this podcast, you gave him a lot of shit for what? Well, I just love giving Dave Cheneau shit, man. He's, you know, <laughs> he's, uh, I worked with Dave. Dave is one of my favorite bartenders in town. I wish that he bartended more because he's incredible at what he does. Um, he's captivating. He holds a room. Um, and, uh, you know, Dave is Dave is one of the best mentors in this town, and I I don't know if he gets enough credit for that. Um, you know, he's uh, he's exquisitely David, and uh, I I can't let him slide at any turn. I don't think he's going to let you slide either. I have a feeling. Oh, There's not at all, be man! A text I love it. Coming after this streams from at least Dave, and probably from some other people. I, so I sure hope I'm so. I'm hoping you say a lot of shit that just embarrasses you. So you oh, I'm you really can... good at that, Chris. I'm really good at that. <laughs> we'll we'll find a way. So let's start with, then, your uh, your first restaurant job that you got. You lied your way in. I lied my way in. So I was uh, I was, I was was going to school for, for elementary education out in New Jersey. I moved up to New Jersey because um, I lived in Jersey City. It was closer to Manhattan than Brooklyn and cheaper. And that's what I wanted to be. How I, old were you there? I was 18. 
And so uh, did you just take off out of Portland on your own? Got out of here, man. Got out of here and headed headed east. Um, I had a friend. I actually had a, a good friend in the punk rock scene from here that had just moved out there, and uh, it took me a couple months to follow. But I but I uh, I drove out in like a, in a 1969 Plymouth Valiant, drove across country to uh, to to New Jersey. Those were challenging cars to drive across country. Mm-hmm. And I, I drove. I did I think four times in a Mazda RX two man rotary engine. <laughs> I learned about the the country. It was getting it was broken down. It was great, man. Yeah, totally. I broke down a few places. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, so I went out and uh, I I needed to supplement my income, and I'd never worked in the in the industry before. But uh, a buddy of mine out there had been making, you know, two three hundred dollars cash a night working in a pizzeria Uno on Ninth and Broadway, or you know, just right off Christopher Street. And uh, I I went to an Outback Steakhouse in Paramus, New Jersey, and just lied my way through the entire application and resume process to to get a job. And it was and I was hooked from that go, man. I I never looked back. I mean, once I started working in the industry, I just felt it. That's what I wanted to do. What were the specific lies? Do you remember them? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I I lied about the the places that I had worked <laughs> before. I had put that I had had experience working, you know, bartending. And I was 19 years old, and I had said that I had bartended in. Portland, Oregon, at, a, at an Irish pub that burned down or some shit, just made, just made it up. <laughs> so it's like, oh, so yeah, so totally. So they couldn't look. You know, this is this is pre-internet day. So it's not. You know, right. if they were gonna call somebody. I was like, oh yeah, the place burned down. You know, that's why I was out of a job and I ended up moving over here. But I, I worked there for three years. You know, as a as a busser and a server. <laughs> so did they not ask you to show you what you could do? I can bullshit my way through a lot, Chris, and it worked really well. well. Yeah, but even a cocktail. I, yeah, I don't know how to make many well, cocktails. Oh, no, I couldn't bullshit my way through that. Oh no, I wasn't behind the bar then, man. They, oh, okay. they just put me on the floor. I was a server, you know. I had three tables right, or well, some shit, you know. And they, but it was great because you it, knew what a blooming onion was. I knew exactly what that was, man. I can sell some chicken and wings. the Alice Springs chicken. Mm. That Alice Springs chicken is so delicious. It is really good. I'm hungry right now. I'm a fat guy. <laughs> I love it. And, and by the way, I would imagine that they would want you to come clean, not I don't just with a fresh mind. So maybe it's better not to have a resume. To I, like I, I'm shocked to this day that they employed me for as long as they did. And <laughs> I did great. And, you know, it's just, you know, just I, I kind of let myself loose, man. And uh, I have a fun personality, I think. And that's kind of that's kind of what people gravitate to. And I, I enjoy getting along with people. So being being in the service industry was just kind of natural for me. So do you remember the your first drink that you really enjoyed? Uh, I do remember the first drink that I really enjoyed. I, I had, I had, and it's and funny, maybe some that you didn't enjoy. Too, I've right? had a lot of drinks that I haven't enjoyed. <laughs> um, you know, I, I remember the first time, I remember the first time I had a real Manhattan and it was life changing for me in the way that, um, I, I finally understood vermouth. I think that was, that was one of those like b- big keys right there is having, having, having a real cocktail for the first time and, and just get it. And when was you know? that? Uh, this was in, I was living in New York city and we were at, uh, we were at this fancy swanky hotel. I had a girlfriend at the time that was way out of my league and we went to, uh, Oh God, I can't remember what hotel it was. But anyway, I went to a, like a, some fancy hotel and we sat at the beautiful lobby bar and it was like a 14, you know, this is 2003. It's like a $14 cocktail, you know, it was way out of my price range. Probably had $56 in my bank account at the time. And I remember we each got fancy Manhattans and it was, we sipped on them for 45 minutes and it was the best drink of my life. Well, it was also because you were there with a woman who was out of your league. She's way yeah, out of that, my league, way out of my league. Yeah, yeah, that that helps. I mean, I believe that having a drink with somebody is way better than having it oneself, unless you're at a bar and there's a cool bartender, right. and you know you can have a nice conversation. It's, it's built on community, man. This whole industry is built on community. And um, we have a pretty good one. We have a great community here. Portland is uh, Portland's uh, bar community 
is incredible. And I think that the way that they come together with each other and the way that uh, people reach out and work with each other um, is is kind of unheard of. I mean, there's you know there's there's not a lot of competition. There's there's community, you know. And I, I know like Tommy Habits loves to r- throw that hashtag around, community not competition. And he's right, a big, he's wait a big a minute. part that's of it. That's Nate. That's Nate at Pips. Is it? Is it? Yeah, I have to clarify that just because. He's, great. Well, that's, that's I, his, I don't know where it came from, but I love thing. it. That's great. Thanks, Nate. Well, and I love Pips. I think Pips is doing really cool shit. I've never had a chance to work with those guys, but I, I I follow everything they do. I love the struggles they have. I love how honest he is about what's going on with his with his restaurants and the struggles that he. That Same he with Tommy. Through. I didn't mean yeah. to discount Tommy, but no. I just know that comes from Nate. Well, that's great. Well, that was the first place I saw it was from Tommy, so I'm glad that it spread around. Oh, well, maybe you know I could be. I've been wrong before. I'm I'm terrible with this stuff. I'm just gonna throw things out there, and you can tell me. You can just start. Let's ask our uh, team of fact checkers. Yeah, all you get get on it. The Twitter <laughs> people who comment never on the podcast, right? But these people are great, man, and everybody comes together and everybody works together to to kind of raise awareness of what people are doing. And and uh, you know when when somebody has a problem, I. I I don't. Anyway, nobody shits on each other here. That's what I really like about it. For the most part, nobody really shits on each other. I don't think so either. And then there are people like Natalia. Oh yeah, they're just awesome. She's who are great. Just completely got their fingers in a lot, but nothing. Nothing. She's not into anything too specifically, but. Mm-hmm. She's the cut, you know, she's, she's remarkable, man. She's really great at what she does. And, um, you know, she has built a career and she's built a living out of, you know, kind of being a touchstone for a lot of like, you know, erratic fucking people. And (laughs) that was a good way of putting it. I was just reaching for the words before. Yeah. She, and she, she's great. She's great at being calm and collected in points of urgency. And, uh, she's, she's wonderful to have on your team. If you can bring her in for anything, she's actually, she's promoting, she's, uh, uh, she's producing the big nog off that's happening next week and it's grown. Molly Wolf started this uh, awesome little eggnog competition because she loved nog and um, she, her and Natalia have kind of grown this into this, you know, really big event that's happening now and it's happening next week at Ron Tom's and, uh, and it's, it's awesome to see what she can do by taking a bunch of erratic personalities, which is, I mean, bartenders and people in the service industry are just, are fucking nuts for the most part and, and, you know, narcissistic and she's able to corral those personalities and get them to do good things. When I was just first, I started talking to leather stores about doing a cannabis dinner last year. And then, uh, on the way I thought, who's the perfect one to get involved with this? And she doesn't even, she's not even a, she's not even an imbiber. No, not at all. And, but, uh, she did a marvel, just a marvelous job. And of course, leather's just, I love leather. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you know leather pretty well? No, not at all. Oh, really? Okay, you got to meet him because you guys are similar. Well, I don't know if you have to meet him just because you're similar personalities. I'm into it, man. I like friends. There's a certain, there's an energy they both have. People, Chris, trying to always, when I was younger, trying to put put me on blind dates with other redheads just because we're redheads (laughs) doesn't mean we have to date. Get married and have babies. Maybe I do know Leather. She has a lot of friends from that cannabis community that I've met that I, I just haven't paid attention to. Maybe they did a couple of a, dinners. Uh, they did cool Kitchen stuff, Confidential. Man. Right. I don't know what happened to it, hmm. but maybe I'm sure there's more cool of stuff. them going. But to Chris' on. point, you should meet Leather. He's a pretty cool guy. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We need to have him yeah. in again. As a mm-hmm. matter of fact, awesome. I was just thinking about him this morning. Um, not in bed. Whoa. <laughs> Cord, maybe awkward, that's awkward one. segue. Yeah, we did, that. We so we were talking about uh, how did you end up? Okay, so you were doing the you were doing the East Coast thing. Yeah, so I lived on the East Coast. Go ahead. How did you end up in St. Croix? So, so uh, lived on the East Coast for a while. I worked in restaurants. Worked my way back here. Uh, came back to Portland briefly. Met a girl. Followed her down there because she had some friends down there. 
and uh, ended up um, separating with her and loving the island, man. And, yeah. uh, and her friends, you know, became my friends in the divorce. And uh, I moved back down and just ended up, I, I bought a, I, I, I actually married this girl, got divorced, went back down to St. Croix where we had lived briefly and uh, bought like a three month ticket thinking I just need to go clear my head for the summer and ended up staying about seven years. Wow. So, yeah, went down uh, with the goal to just kind of work work behind a bar for a little bit, ended up uh, taking over a little bar program, and um, <clears throat> I started writing a blog because, you know, back in, in 2000, 2007, 2008, you know, you, everybody read Morgenthaler if you if you're in the bar community here. You know, I worked at the uh, I worked at the Benson Hotel, and I used to walk up to, to uh, Clyde Common and sit there and, and, and drink and, and enjoy and, and just try to be a part of this community and was reading his blog, and then I just started to, Decided to do the same thing. You know, I was living on St. Croix, and you couldn't get stuff down there. You couldn't get products. I mean, you couldn't get bitters down there. You could get Angostura bitters. You couldn't get orange bitters. I mean, hmm. it, was a, it was a novelty. It's in 2008. This is still, I mean, I mean, it was still kind of difficult around the country to get stuff like that. But, you know, just uh, I started writing about uh, what I what I was into and, like, the, the different kind of local tropical fruits and vegetables and things that I was using and, like, ma- you know, started making my own bitters because I couldn't get anything down there. And uh, just kind of started on that path of, of, like a lot of bartenders did at the time, of, of doing it yourself, of trying to figure that shit out yourself getting on getting on old message boards like the chanticleer society and you know mixology mondays and just talking to like-minded people around the country do you think that was your the the portland in your genes that forced that caused you to do that the punk rock punk rock in my jeans man i played in punk rock bands my my whole life and you know that's that's totally what you did not anymore i'm not in a while not in a long time actually but but um yeah that's what you did man you built you you know you, you made your own stickers you built your own zines well, that I don't think that happens all over. The, I could be wrong. I'm not all over the country. No, I'm in Portland, but from what I understand, it happens. It's just there was definitely it that just happens here for sure, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily happen elsewhere. So, you when you came back, your first job was at a biker bar. Is that right? So yeah. So I lived. So my first my first bartending job. Um, which I, th- I think I, I think I fibbed on my, my my resume or my application on that one too. Was that a was that a? Uh, this is good. So when is, we're getting when we're I've drinking, lied, dude, I have lied my way into everything. That's absolutely true. Everybody I, remember that when you're talking to Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's the ratio? Seventy five, twenty five percent is no, true fake. I think that's why I'm trying to be as honest as I can. I, once I had children, I realized that I couldn't be that piece of shit anymore. So right. I'm, I'm doing well, my I, best to be as honest and forthcoming with everything, yeah, which it, I think has mm-hmm. led to our success in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah, and you had mentioned like you know life before the internet changed a lot of people i i have a, a good well he was a good friend because he didn't realize at a certain point you can fact check everything that you're telling somebody right so when the internet became a really big thing all the stories he used to tell him it's like wait a minute uh-huh. hold on that's when you realize that his ratio is like 80 percent lie 20 percent real oh yeah. yeah see oh i'm so i'm so i'm so glad that i i was not you, coming you became coming, aware coming of, of age in this in this era yeah. man in this generation i'd be fucked man yeah. i mean yeah. you know i mean i mean i would say so i mean i'm still say stupid things but i, I can just find myself probably getting in a lot of trouble sure time yeah you know well, this is supposedly the area era where facts don't matter. Yeah. So you'd probably be, well, you'd I mean, probably maybe be not. Okay. Maybe we've come full circle on that. Yeah, I can say whatever <laughs> I want and just deny it. Yeah. So I worked at a biker bar though. It was on 65th and Foster. It was called Brown's Bar and Grill, and uh, it was notorious. You know, uh, to the Gypsy Jokers and uh, would hang out there all the time, and the outsiders were always there. And uh, you know, one of the, the the owner was you know kind of loosely affiliated with those guys, kind of on the outside of it a little bit. But uh, but his girlfriend was uh, was was a lady of the lady of the club who. Was or his wife 
it was a lady at the club who would come in at you know two fifteen with with four or five guys and you know close out the back hallway you know till seven seven o'clock in the morning or something. While I had to stand out front and wait for these guys to to finish what whatever they were doing back there. And uh, it was it was a great learning experience, man. So you've had a lot of them. So what did your what did your dad what did your parents do? My father's a letter. My father was a letter carrier. My mother was a teacher, so I grew up in a good union, blue-collar household here in Southeast Portland. And you had, and you, they instilled a good work ethic in you. I mean, not necessarily a good ethic, maybe not but a good, a good, e- <laughs> good, good work ethic for sure, man. I mean, you got to work hard for what for what you do. And but I mean, I I think I've always learned how to manipulate that as well. Like I've always been really good at uh, at uh, doing doing eighty percent work and twenty percent bullshit. Well, we're throwing percentages around, right? I mean, yeah, that's that's better than than twenty percent work <laughs> and eighty percent bullshit. That's right. That's right. Um, so you've got the ratio right. Anyway, you just got to <laughs> now that you have kids, you're just trying to inch that eighty percent. Putting it up to a hundred percent, man. Actually, no, you're not work. trying to you're not trying to inch that up. You're trying to take some some of that twenty percent and spend time with your family. I would imagine. How it's, old are your kids? Sorry, uh, I have a six year old daughter and a three and a half year old son. Wow, those are some key times. They're, and they're fun, man. They're great kids. So. What are they What are they teaching you? What have you learned that oh, you didn't it, know before? Oh, infinite patience. Infinite patience. That's what, I think that's what children give you, man. Just uh, a chance to kind of sit. You know, it's, it's my job is much easier at night when I'm dealing with 40-year-old adolescents because, <laughs> because of the time that I spend with my children. Because it just teaches you to shut the fuck up. Let them do their thing. Does that mean that every Try to fold them their way? Every forty-year-old adolescent that is listening now is going to be contacting you to go, "Hey, Jesse." <laughs> so speaking of those, they don't leave. You're they don't born. leave. They don't leave. They don't leave. We have a great. Well, that's something that I, I'm really excited about. That we've, we we let people be themselves at our bar, and it's not we've kind of we have this beautiful bar with amazing spirits, and we've sort of done our best to suck the pretension out of that, so that people can anybody can feel comfortable. Regardless, this is Portland, man. You you, you know, it's it's this is a t-shirt and hoodie town, no matter where you're at, regardless of how much the cocktail in front of you is costing. And I think that you know, one thing that was kind of getting pushed out of the way was was the fun in drinking. And, um, how so? Uh, I, I, I don't, people take it too fucking seriously. I just think people take it too seriously. I think that you can have integrity for the product that you're using. I think you can have integrity for the method and the way that you, you build cocktails or that you believe in them or the, or the way that you believe in your bar program. But I think that in a lot of ways, there, there, there are some bars that I'm not going to get into, but I think there are some bars in this town that just kind of suck the fun out of drinking. And uh, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to have a. I wanted to have a place. I wanted to open a bar in my hometown in Southeast Portland, where I'm from, that was just fun and accessible, and we could still do really cool shit. You know, there. Are, I think there are quite a few. I am not the first one to go out drinking, but I enjoy a great cocktail when I have one. Um, but there are a lot of places I think, and I'm I'm trying to, as you're talking about that, run through my mind and where some of the places are. That might have sucked the fun out of drinking, and I can maybe think of a few. But what does what does it mean? You know, and you mean just take it too seriously? I just think I think you can take it too seriously, and I think I think guests for a long time took it too seriously as well. I mean, we all got kind of we all kind of uh, uh, you know got overwhelmed with the minutia of what goes into classic cocktails or the classic cocktail movement or which spirit was the correct spirit for using for each cocktail and, and you know, which rye was best for your Sazerac and why Sazerac rye wasn't actually the best rye for your, to make a Sazerac. And, and we just kind of got bogged down in all this, you know, hyper-connected community 
like we have this hyper-connected community around the world that is just wants to be better than each other. Once again, like bartenders ostensibly were nar- there's like narcissist, like gross narcissism that happens behind the bar, which you ha- I mean, you kind of have to to control control drunk people the way that you do. Sure. Well, but, I think it's not only in the that community, but it's the food community. In the food too. community, totally. It's, in the food it's, community. it's it's interesting because it's not competitive per se. Like I'm gonna beat, I'll never send anybody your way, or I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. It's just. I got to raise my bar to keep up with you. Totally. And, 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 you know, it's that, it's that always, always got to be better than the guy next door, you know, always trying to do something like that. And, uh, and I think it just kind of got out of hand a little bit, you know, and there was, and you know, around the nation, around the globe and, uh, People then, there has been a, a, a retreat from that in the past four or five years where people are just having more fun, which is great, which I think is, is something that we needed to capitalize on. You know? so, so what, if you had to point to one thing, someone came in from out of town. What's going to make Bidhouse more fun in a very specific way? What makes it what, from beneath? Oh, the staff. From beneath. The staff. The staff well, all together, man. It's the, it's the staff that you it's have. Not it's not the space. The, so for the you, space is gorgeous, but the space, the space is sparse on, on, on purpose. I mean, that's why, it's just, that's why it's just, there's not a lot of decoration. There's not a lot of flashy shit going on. There's just brick, there's wood, and there's brass. The bar is dark. The bar is black. The bar disappears at night. You can't, you lose, you lose the bar at night. Like, we weren't trying to focus on that. Like, we wanted the show to be the function. You know what I mean? The glassware is very u- utilitarian. Like, we don't have delicate, precious glassware. We have utilitarian glassware. This, like, Stalin-esque idea behind what we're doing with our, with, with, what we serve the vessels in. We weren't trying to show that off like there. Like I wanted the staff and then we, we do a lot of fun garnishes and fun stuff, but, but uh, I wanted the staff to be the one that, that kind of drove the personality. And it's great because the staff all has different personalities. Are they, are they driving the editorial, so to speak? So the repertoire as well, or is that coming For, mostly from you? Uh, I think that uh, I, I act as a funnel for the most part. I mean, they, they all have a lot of great ideas and a lot of, you know, it's, I mean, we put like very six, they're the bar from the bartending staff. There are six very different personalities behind that bar. And we all kind of have our own shtick and being able to funnel that into, into one fluid experience has been a little difficult, but it's been great. I mean, you know, people, people know what to expect when they come in, you know, on a Monday afternoon with Nick Chifuni, or they know what to expect on a Thursday night with Chino Lee. Like it's, you're going to get two separate experiences so do they all have their own following? Totally. So there are people who only come in to see Nick. I wouldn't say only, but there are but people that definitely do. Def- that's why that generally come in. in to do it. Yeah, that's a nice statement. Mm-hmm. I have to, uh, I have to get in there to get to know everybody. I know. You should, because it's cool. And you know, we got you know we have veterans and new guys. You know, Nick, Nick, this is only his second year bartending. He worked under, but like I said, you know, Dave Chanel is one of the best mentors in in this town. And uh, you know, Nick had a culinary background. Nick, Nick worked. You know, under Jose Chesa, and he worked with uh, um, he worked at uh, under under Dave um, training at Raven and Rose. You know, went from the kitchen to to being a bar back and you know working in a bar prep area and worked his way up to a and he's a hell of a bartender. Those are you some know. nice chops. Yeah, totally. And th- and and Jose starting to get some. Well, not starting, but he's got some great things going on at both of his restaurants. He's got some amazing stuff. at the bar. He's he's, he's incredible. He's incredible. His, 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 talk about a work ethic, man. That guy, you know, we both had kids around the same time. <laughs> so and, we were just trying to put together a um, reunion for our Spain trips uh-huh. for the people who went in 2015, 2016. Not trying. We're putting it together. So the hardest cog in that is, of course, of course. Jose. How yeah. to get him out. Uh-huh. He actually 
sent me a text that said, this is a party with people. He said, can we do it in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> so getting him out of the restaurant is is kind of tough. Well, and it shows why he's there so successful, you know, and he hires great people too, you know, and, and that's something that, that's something that I love. You have all these big names and then it's, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people behind the scenes that are doing some incredible work and, and, uh, it, you know his his general manager Emily Metevier. She worked under Dave as well. She's uh, she's absolutely incredible in what she does. I mean, she just keeps she keeps that ship floating. You know, she's really good. She, like Natalia, she's really great. This is going to turn into a conversation about how really the strongest people in this industry are the women in this industry in this town. Um, yeah, we can get there. We're, we're there already. <laughs> I'm just thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, man. Yeah, Honestly, and then man. Angel. And Angel. Angel, Angel totally. And, and Ingrid. And Danny. Who runs that? And Danny. She's Danny great. Achesa. Mm-hmm. So I'm just talking about the we're on that subject. Yeah. But um but yeah, I mean that and that's it. You know, you can have you can have big ideas and big personalities, but when you have uh somebody who's really good and organized at being able to kind of corral those things and, and push them into something great, um th- those are the most important people. You know, I don't know about you, Court, but I've gone through a number of real estate transactions in mm-hmm. my time and I've had some great ones and I've had some not so great ones. Right. And the key is picking the right realtor right off the bat. It all comes down to the realtor when when you get down to it. Right, especially in a hot market, and you and you need to act fast and you need to negotiate uh, from a strong position. Yeah, and in, in a matter of days, if not half of a day, Chris could mean thousands of dollars gained or lost. Right, and market knowledge as well. Mm-hmm. So we've known Leanne for a little while now. And I can tell you this, she's tuned into the food world. So I would say if there's anyone listening out there and they want someone who understands where they're coming from and where they want to come from when they go to a restaurant, Leanne is the one to call. And that number would actually be 503-349-7890 or go online to leannebach.com. That's L-E-A-N-N-E-B-A-C-H.com. Do it. We love Leanne and, and she's here to support not only us, but our entire Portland food world. So where do you think you can go? Where, where do you think your bar can? You got all these. You got hotels going up. How do you think it would evolve over the next few years? Uh, or do you, you, I pretty much know the generic response would be, "Oh, we're going to keep doing what we're doing." Well, but I don't want to just keep doing what we're doing, man. That gets boring. I mean, and that's when you have people leave. You know, we have, you know, we have zero turnover behind the bar. We haven't had a single bartender leave. You know, I think uh, Chauncey Roach is on his way out right now because he opened up his own spot. Uh, Where's Milwaukee, that? Milwaukee Cafe, Milwaukee Cafe and Bottle Shop. It's out in Milwaukee. Okay. He opened up just a cool little coffee shop with his roommate. They had an opportunity to to pick this pick this space up, and he's doing some fun stuff out there. Is that the Pascal's kitchen. old place, or is that a different place? No, no something not. something else. Yeah, I mean, it's in Milwaukee. It's in Milwaukee proper. Yeah, and it's just a there. neighborhood. Cafe, and that's what he wanted to do. They just wanted to do something simple and easy, and he's he's being able to generate. You know, he's he moved Water Avenue Coffee from uh, from the city out to the suburbs, which is awesome. You know, and um, I think that's great stuff. because especially I have to, I hate to refer to this again, but especially because of traffic nowadays, <laughs> it's so good that people just you know just because you live in Beaverton mm-hmm. or Tigard or anywhere it doesn't mean that you should not be able to enjoy this wonderful culture we have and and now it's getting more challenging to enjoy it i think totally is, but it's but it's cre- but it's also encroaching i mean it's creeping out to the suburbs and suburb areas that's so that's pretty that's awesome. what i mean yeah, it's yeah, good yeah. That, that 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 happens so it's not there's not this um i you know a little portland snobbery you know i lived in lake oswego for a few years and i moved here from connecticut it wasn't until year two that i realized I can't say where I live. I can't tell people uh, where I live because I just get an attitude. Totally, completely. And so I started with. Uh, I'm from Southwest, you know. <laughs> so, 
and I don't live there any longer. And I, I guess I get it now. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's you know, it's part of all the, everything around us is part of the Portland community. It, re- it really is, and it's getting well. And as, as and as like the, and as the creators and the innovators are getting pushed out to cheaper rents out in those areas, I think we're going to see more things pop up there because that's going to be the the place that you can actually afford to do it. Well, I'm but hoping I, it gets as far out at the coast. As I the bet coast you do. Too, I bet you do. Not much get, goes out there. Well, why shouldn't it, man? You can you can leapfrog from here to the Willamette Valley to some of the amazing places that are in McMinnville and then jump back up. And mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the you know big fancy cocktail bar to open in Astoria at some point or. You know, there's got to be well, something. Well, have you been to Albatross? I have not been to Albatross. I've read a lot oh, about fuck. it, though. You got, I, you got to get to Albatross because it's, it's got a similar vibe to Bithouse. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, it's oh. definitely. I, All right. Well, I'm, I'm excited to make it out there. And getting back to your earlier point, man, I, you know, we need to innovate. We need to keep doing cool stuff. That's, that's what we're really good at. We're really good at taking fun ideas and figuring out how to do something different. And, um, and we have a, we have an incredible support team that helps us drive those ideas. Uh, you know, our, 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 our prep leader, the, the, the person who runs our bar prep program, uh, Karen Luan, I mean, she was the former kitchen manager at beast. And I mean, we have, so we have this great culinary mind who's helping us, you know, kind of take these crazy ideas that we come up with and kind of champ, you know, funnel them down into something that's, that's tactical and, and, and useful. You know, it's interesting when you say that. It sounds like movies, right? From the director of Beast, you know, just right. yeah, uh, that's the same thing. And everybody, and there's so much, it's so much of people moving around here. On the other hand, you don't necessarily know that someone just because they worked at Beast or because they worked at anywhere, they were great. Right, right. They well, may I, be gone for I think, a reason. I think if you can work your way up under Naomi, I think you, it says a lot. So, well, I'm, yeah. I'm not speaking specifically towards. Gotcha. No, 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 I, or I, her at all. I was just saying, you know, it's a small enough community where. You can't bullshit on a resume the way you did. No, not so, at all. Not so at all. I'd be screwed. <laughs> and it doesn't have anything to do with the internet. It's going to immediately. It's easy enough for anybody to find out. That's totally. all I meant. It was no. No, no, no. I, I totally agree. Nothing I to, I specific totally agree. towards and, anybody and, at Beast or. No, no, no. But that's what's that's what's so cool about how organic this process has been, specifically for us. That we've had really great people want want to be a part of you know Team Riff Raff, and be a part of this this team you know because we because we get to do some really obscure and fun stuff and and kind of and there's no there's no barrier i don't try to put any i don't try to put any ceilings on on what we want to do you know um so when we get together to try to come up with new menus you know the sky's the limit just go throw whatever you want out there let's try to do it speaking of menus you had um talk a little bit about the process of getting the kitchen going and dustin clark's involvement so so dustin clark started off and uh you know i i think that we i think we actually made a misstep in the beginning with our with our menu just to be perfectly honest i think that you know our initial idea was just hey we want to open a bar you have to have better food to, in in this town at all like you you have to have good food yeah you, you can't just you know you can't just call it in we didn't you know i wanted a neighborhood bar i want i always wanted to and i still do like i, I and that's what i believe Bithouse is going to be we are going to be a neighborhood bar for that neighborhood that's what we're going to be and we're really figuring out what that means um and as the neighborhood grows we're going to keep continue to figure out what that means but you know we wanted to have good food but w- the focus wasn't going to be on that it was going to be we were going to have fun cocktails good food and make it easy. I wasn't trying to, we weren't going out for bar of the year. You know, this wasn't, we weren't going out for all the accolades and awards and shit that we keep getting. Like that wasn't the focus from the, from the get go. Well, maybe that's why you have them. I guess I think that I think it has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I wanted to make sure that I could pay my kids Montessori bill every month. I mean, that, that was the most important thing. Yeah. That was the most important thing for me is to be and able to make sure the, my kids are taken care of. Yeah. And there they're going to instill the, the ethical standard that you weren't able that to That I wasn't accomplish. able to do. I know. <laughs> you know? Uh, but, uh, you know, and, uh, 
So with the kitchen, we just, you know, we kind of started off, we, I think we started off the wrong way without just trying to push it. And uh, Dustin came up with this great menu, and it was perfect for, for our opening, and uh, it just, it, it didn't grow naturally the way we wanted it to, um, and it didn't, it definitely didn't keep up with uh, what we were doing in the, in the front of the house, through no fault of the kitchen, you know, no fault of the guys running the kitchen at all. Um, or no it fault just, to Dustin, I'm or, sure. or Dustin, not at all. I mean, well, D- Dustin just kind of, you know, he, he specked out the menu, and then was there for the first two weeks. I mean, that was, that was, that was kind of Dustin's involvement, and he did a great job and he was really awesome and and the team he put in um are really talented people they're all working with him over at the solo club now mm-hmm. and um great great people and uh but it just didn't it didn't kind of fit so um <clears throat> we had a little transition this last year and uh we brought in ricky bella from imperial and i'm really really excited to work with him what was he doing at imperial so he's the sous chef under dougie and benny oh nice yeah That's a, so there's some so he's in, in he's he's like this he's he reminds me he's just perfect man he's so portland he's so he's this he's this like rat fink skateboarder kid from St. John's who grew up here grew up here in town and started as a dishwasher at Beaker and Flask and wanted to learn how to cook and that's what he did so he started at Beaker and Flask as a dishwasher and worked with Benny and Benny took him over to Paley's <clears throat> took him to Imperial and he's been raised under you know some of the best some of the best guys in this industry Benny's my favorite chef in this town man by hands down he's he's my he's my favorite chef in this town he's just a he's a he's a nightmare behind the line man he's I just love watching him work and he's his mind is Fucking brilliant, the stuff he does. And uh, and he's instilled a lot of those great qualities into Ricky. So to have Ricky to have his first shot, um, I thought that our bar, you know, our bar is kind of perfect for him, you know, because he kind of he gets the freedom to play around and uh, gets to kind of gets to gets to kind of make his team the way he wants it. So what are all those qualities? So as someone, you know, I know Benny and I've had his food quite a few times and I've also had him talk to some of my folks and brought events in because he's great he's mm-hmm. just very personable and but what is what is that quality that he instilled in ricky that is working specifically just ricky gives a shit about flavor all right you know that's that's something that i love in the in this food scene is people who people who you know it's like you can have as much integrity as you want by making sure that you source it from the right spaces and that you you get it from the right farmers and that you work with the right people but just pay, like paying attention to what you're doing with that ingredient i think is is, is really important and that kind of gets lost sometimes um in in, in food um and R- ricky gives a shit R- ricky has a give a shit attitude and he's a hard worker you know and he has that and he has that attention to pay you know he pays attention to the to the food that he's using which i think is, is is awesome to see i think a lot but it's interesting that when i pose that same question to doug adams mm-hmm. his, and i a- actually it wasn't the exact same question the question was what makes what is the common thread through the portland food system or something like that yeah. food world that makes it uh so special and he said seasoning and i'm not you know i don't know that other markets don't know about seasoning but it's interesting that you said that about Ricky, that he's paying attention to it, and and the flavors are uh-huh. so important. Yeah, obviously flavors uh, are important, but you know I, but I, I think tend that to think that there, I think oh man, I think that there's so many people out there, and I got to be careful how I say this, but I just think it's like okay, stop at the seventh ingredient. Okay, we don't need to know every single thing that you can put into this just make something simple and delicious that's exactly it that's exactly it and that's something that we wanted was was somebody who would just kind of take take a focus on looking at looking at what we want what we want to put on the table and just make sure that it, that's exactly what it is that you focus on one or two flavors and make those the best fucking flavors you can on the other hand when sometimes the end result of those seven ingredients <laughs> plus i posted um uh the who is jack nance that i had a dead shot uh-huh. which is just 
He, it was mentioned here, and I went down to have it. You know, it's got mustard. It's got a mustard flavor in yeah. there. And my uh, good friend of mine back east said, who the fuck comes up with these flavors? And the, Adam Robinson is, Adam Robinson's an incredible bartender, man. Adam Robinson is just an incredible bartender. Right, but I mean, you would look at a lot of things that are done in Portland, not just drinks, but mm-hmm. food, and look at it, at, at the layperson from outside of Portland, and go, what, where did they come up with this? I think that's the standard question I have sometimes. How did... You know, I'm not a chef. Mm-hmm. So how was this developed? I don't know. Does... You know, he's got an outrageous, he has an outrageous palate. Um, and uh, Adam, Adam, you know, went on a personal quest. You know, he was down and he came down, he worked with me in the Caribbean. I brought him down to St. Croix and uh, for a failed, for a failed business venture that I was in, I was involved in. What the, was the, that? It was, it was, a, it was called the Low Life Bar and Refuge. It was like this waterfront <laughs> bar that just went fucking askew and uh and it, it crashed it crashed quickly shortly after he got there and uh i was running the bar and it just they they ran out of money basically at the end which is like the classic story of of you know in the caribbean you know how, how do you leave the caribbean with a million dollars you come down with two right and uh and they just they crash and burn before we ever really got a chance to launch so adam i had i had known adam adam came down to work with me there he ended up getting a job over in st thomas but he, he's just so inquisitive he's so curious about food and flavor and uh and then he took off of course he lived in, in in Taiwan and Taipei for a while and um, has moved himself kind of all over the place. He's just, you know, he's a, he's a, he's an interesting cat. Um, I would imagine working with the guys at Holdfast, that's what I was just going to say. It's just, you know, cause they can do, they can do a little bit of anything, you know? Right. And they're, and they're at least with Deadshot, they're gearing it around his his drinks right. first and then uh, so. which is so cool you see that like makeshift bar that they have like that they built I mean he's pull, he pulls like great ice out of a cooler and makes these incredible cocktails out of something that obviously was not built to be a bar yeah no I've I've uh, enjoyed Dead Fast I was embarrassed a few months ago when I hadn't been there and now I've probably been three or four times yeah. and uh, it's great they do cool stuff man they're really, they're really who awesome. else is doing cool stuff that you think and who, who's if, if you have your friends from St. Croix come into town, and they want to go on a bin. They want to go on a binge drinking thing. Where do you send them? Uh, you you got to go to Expatriate, right? We talk about yeah. that. We got to go to Expatriate. You got to go to Lemoule. Um, uh, y- y- dude, uh, Dame, Dame is unbelievable. Have you guys been yet? No, I'm actually running over there this afternoon. Are you there? Uh, you know, I worked with Jane at the Knockback. She, Jane, Jane, her brother was the owner of the Knockback, but Jane was really once again getting back to like women in the industry who are the backbones. Jane is uh, Jane Smith is absolutely brilliant, and um, I, I to this day I still call on her for advice about things because she's just uh, she's 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 a really great tactician, and um, they have made something incredible over there. And I think that, uh, I think that Dame is going to be one of those success stories that just kind of, you know, people talked about it a little bit. I mean, they have this funky idea, right? It's natural wines. They have natural, you know, that the whole backbone is, is Dana and, and natural wines. And they built something so beautiful around it in a, in a you know, once supposedly cursed space. I think they're going to be there for a while. Yeah. Well, I have, uh, I don't know if it was, was it cursed space? I loved Cocotte. I did just, too. It could have lasted, could I it? think. I don't know. It I didn't. Don't, I don't know. It didn't. Well, I, I don't know if Cat wanted it. Yeah. To, That's a fun, it's a fun neighborhood. That's a fun area. That's a fun little corner. It's a, of yeah, like, it's hard to imagine. Amazing. That would be a tough spot. Totally. Right? <laughs> I, I used to live, when, so my, the first house I lived in when I moved out of, out of my parents' house, 
before I moved east. I lived on 35th and Killingsworth, right? And it was the most, that was the most terrifying area in 1998. You know, 1997, that was just absolutely, absolutely frightening. What was going on me. there? Uh, like 15th and Alberta was just like a big like drug and hooker down. Like you couldn't, you know, where the, where the co-op is now, that was the scariest light for me as a, as a, you know, 17 year old driving, 18 year old driving around in Portland because there was always, always drug dealers and prostitutes out on that corner. And like, that was like, that was the corner you knew it was a bad area. And, um, we just had, um, and now there's a fucking co-op. <laughs> we just had Oswaldo in here, and he said he's he's looking at out at 82nd, and he thinks that's the next area that's going to grow immensely. It already, I mean, it already. I hope so. I mean, that's the area I live in. I mean, that's where I grew up. 70, 70th, 70th and Holgate is is uh, is my stomping grounds. But I look at the Mercado. I mean, I I bought my first used car where the Mercado is now, and uh, I think and 82nd the the food scene on 82nd is incredible. You know about you know humidity PDX all the noodle the noodle cats that go out. We all go out mm-hmm. on Fridays and and eat and it's it's always up at something up there up up, up in that area. Well, it's a cool area. You know, when I first moved here in 05, and I, I should I not say this again, Court? Because I probably this be like the third or fourth time. Why don't you say it, and then if I don't like it, yeah. I'll cut it. <laughs> there you go. You haven't cut me completely yet, nope. so at least I know you still like, like <laughs> wouldn't be, me. Wouldn't be much but of a show if I just cut you out. When I first moved here, uh, the and I stayed at the Fifth Avenue Suites downtown because I was trying to get to know Portland, and I asked for restaurant recommendations, and they gave me a few, which were what they were all downtown said what's on the other side of that uh of that river you don't want to go there it's just dangerous and you get lost oh yeah that's what i, I was told and now that was actually in 03 uh-huh. or 04 um so- 82nd and powell is still fucking terrifying i mean it's still i mean the unicorn hotel that's out there i mean it's still it's still not the best area <laughs> to be in i mean it's still full of tweakers and shit but well they're all over though i guess they're all okay you know, they're sure I mean, like too. i said i live in that area so i just feel like i, I feel like i see them more often so as you um as you get more successful is that where you want to live totally that's where i live now man i'm, I'm trying to go. trying to buy the house i grew up in i love south i love deep southeast that that's my next i mean i'd love to open a bar even further out that way you know i have a feeling you will i hope so does that is that something you're actively thinking about actively for sure absolutely always always man i mean i'm always thinking about what i want to do next well Don't, i, I mean, understand but i mean are you like moving it along uh not yet I have a lot of work to do at Bithouse still. We're doing we're doing a lot of cool stuff. I'm still really passionate about what we're doing there. Um, we're having a ton of fun. It's a fun bar to be at, man. So what do you want what do you need to do at Bithouse? What's left to do there so that you're comfortable going, okay, I'm ready for the next project? Because this is a big question for a lot of the the world here. Yeah. Because now, you know, everybody's opening a second and third and fourth yeah. place and, and waiting for your book. You know, that's got to come out that's, soon. We're, right? we're working on that. We're there working on that right now. But, you know, we, our, our big, you, you, <laughs> have, you have to. That's, it's a, writing, writing a cocktail book is the blog of 2016, right? That, you, that's the next step for the for, for I the don't market. think anybody's le- reading blogs much anymore. That's right? what I mean. I mean, they all, they all gave those up. Now they're all monetizing it, which is nice. You know, I'm glad it finally that's worked. That's why we're doing this. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's a verbal <laughs> blog is what it is. But I think we, you know, we, we're, we're get, we finally got our kitchen dialed in. I think that we're going to really start pushing that. I really want to focus on uh, being a restaurant um, more now. I really want to be a neighborhood bar. I want to. I want to wait for these all these units that are popping up around us for for those things to fill and those things to swell and kind of see what we can do. I mean, any business needs to evolve. I look at Dig a Pony across the street from us, who I think is like the greatest adaptation story. You know, they wanted to open a small cocktail bar. They had servers. They had they had people coming, and then all of a sudden they realized that hey, Friday Saturday nights they're a fucking DJ meat market. They're a hipster meat market. 
market. And they capitalized on that. And they changed that wasn't their, the original they, plan. No, they changed their entire business plan. You know, they, they changed the entire way that the structure of their business in order to accommodate that. And they're wildly successful because of it. Why do you think that happened there? And why didn't you, it happen I, at your place? You know what's funny? I don't. I mean, well, what? what well, it was well, it was pretty and pretty and young, and they didn't close at eight o'clock. You know, I mean, like you know, when when uh, right before right before we got right before we got East Bank, uh, I would go in there. You know, as we were kind of vetting it and checking it out, and first talking about it, I would go in there and sit, and like on a Friday night, the bartender would be like, "All right, at eight o'clock." She's like, "Hey, we're closing up. I want to go to a show. There's a show around the corner I want to go to, so we're just gonna we're gonna shut down now." And I mean, they just you know, a their their clientele was all dying off. For the, for the most part. I mean, it was, a, it was an older crowd. They hadn't generated, you know, any kind of buzz. And let's face it, man, my father's place is right down the street, which was a much better dive bar with better food. So, so do you think you had anything to do? This is just a thought. Random thought. Okay. With also market not being open any longer? No, not at all, man. I think I, and I love Colin. I think that I, I miss Oso Market being across oh, the sorry. street. Sorry. I miss Oso Market being across the street. Um, um, you know, you talked about your, your Bar Barcelona trip. Like I fucking, that's the, if I could live anywhere, man, that's where I would live in like the Basque region or something. Like that's my, my favorite food, Espelette pepper on everything. And, uh, have you been to San Sebastian? Yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 And actually like St. Jean de Luz, like right across the river, man, that was my favorite place on earth. I like, just that's did, my favorite place on earth. I just did a Rick Steves binge this weekend, did you? <laughs> which have you ever watched Rick Steves? Uh -huh. Yeah. I really, you know, I'd watched a couple of times, but I ended up, that guy, the research that he does, so I hadn't, wasn't even familiar with that, and you, and I was there this weekend. Yeah, so, that's uh, great. I, I, we drove, Jose, as a matter of fact, drove me right by there to go to Biarritz to drop me off at the train to head to Bordeaux. Nice. So that it's one of my favorite places in, in the world. If I, if I could, if I could live anywhere, that's where I'd be, man, for sure. I thought the, um, each time I go, the center the La Rioja region was just absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. Everything is more. Spain is really cool. Spain is gorgeous, man. I it's, love I love Spain. But uh, 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 what were we talking about? Where how did we get? We that, were man? talking about also market. Oh, also, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I wish I had an answer. That's a tough space to be in. Um, you know, they don't have a hood there, so for some of their cooking, for some of the stuff they were doing, I think the market part of it didn't catch on. Um, is what I'm assuming. I don't. I don't really know. Um, but I'm. I'm. I'm definitely bummed. But it was gone. a cool bar. I mean, it was, it was a, a great, great place bar. to hang out. And it so was you a have. Cool bar. You they have th not only three. You got trifecta around the corner, but loyal right, legion. I mean, yeah. But you can you can throw a, a ping pong ball and hit hit three. Mm -hmm. or, well, you could have. Yeah. Um, that yeah. area is. It's a great area. I mean, you can you can from. You can walk from Renata and hit the speakeasy and then hit up and you can hit us and there's just this great line of drinking right there and around the corner and then up to Rum Club and Tuckeria Nueva and it's a, I mean, you can park your car there and go anywhere and get anything. It really is like Disneyland around here. Yeah. It, it, it's just, it's nuts. I think. I love it. Just all the all the different wonderful things that totally. go on. I, I just, I just yeah. went to Shift Drinks last weekend for awesome. the first time. That was. Oh, really? Yeah, that was, that was great. They're, they're such good people. I, I, I Elise and uh, and Tony, they're just really, really great human beings, man. I love what they're doing. So we talked about um, bars. Mm -hmm. Just do you have a couple of really favorite restaurants that you like going to now? Um, I, mean, I know you have young kids, so you probably don't get out. It's it's hard. Much. Well, I have young kids and I have a bar, man. It's a you know. Getting, <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. You so, know, so, so I'll ask something else. How are the Blazers going to yeah, do this year? Oh man, the Blazers are such a letdown this year. I'm a big Cubs fan too. My father's from Chicago, so this has been like such a wonderful. Magical oh, good for year you! For me. Congratulations. And uh, and I was just hope. Thank you. I, like I had something to do with it. Um, no, uh, I know, but, <laughs> but congratulations on having fun. It, oh, it felt great. You know, it was, I'm a it Mets was fan, so I'm going to take it when. 
right, I can. There you go. Okay. But, uh, uh, it, you know, watching the Blazers kind of just uh, fall back this year. You know, you thought this was going to be a great year for them, but we'll see. Um, eating. Uh, we, we talked about, you know, the restaurants close to us. Trifecta is incredible. I really love what they're doing over there. I love Colin, too. Their bar staff is, is amazing. Um, the boys at Renata, I, I try to get in there as often as I can. I think Dame's going to be the one on the list right now, man. Like, that's the place to go. All right, I'm getting there soon. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm going at 3 o'clock today. Are you? Just to meet with Dana. So cool. we, we just had her on. I think, Court, do you know offhand? Is this running after Dana? or We don't know. I've got the calendar right here. Yeah, well, we I've flipped them like around a little bit. Have you bit. guys been to Expatriates Brunch yet? Yes. Holy shit, man. I mean, you, that place is so gorgeous at night. And it, but it is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And you know what? It wasn't crowded either when huh. I was there. So yeah. it's like, here's this little gem. And by the way, it had been written about. It's uh-huh. not like it got ignored in the in the press. No. But I don't know what the why people weren't is, there. And it, this was months ago, so maybe yeah. it changed a little bit. It was. I went. I went for the first time last week, and because uh, Emily Mistel, who's a former bar manager at Rum Club, mm-hmm. she's working there now. She's just doing some weekends, doing the brunch, um, and it's pretty cool, man. What she's doing. Um, it was great. It was it was awesome, but it was packed. I was I got the one bar seat that was available. Oh, that's, so. yeah. Well, I I went early too. Um, someone needs to put together a website that just chronicles all the lines of people where they've worked and and gives everybody's resumes. So incestuous. This town is like so a, incestuous. Yeah, the special like, Ancestry.com just right? for Portland. Uh, right. Ancestry or, or wiki, yeah. wiki wiki whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Wikilandia. I don't know. I think that would be cool. <laughs> so listen. I really, first of all, I appreciate your coming down. I appreciate your working with me on some things we've done in the past. Oh, that's great, man. That's good. It's so cool. At first, I didn't realize what, what Portland Food Adventures was all about, and then I started reading into it. You guys are doing some rad stuff. It's it's fun. It's changing. It's yeah. becoming a lot more challenging with events in this town now, mm-hmm. It's but that's okay. So you build, you grow, and you... Adaptation, man. Everybody's got to adapt to what they're doing, and I think, um, like you're talking about. I mean, people like Natalia; those are the those are the people you want to follow. You know, uh, who are just, who are really on the. On well, the if edge you follow what, what she's doing, doing, you're going to have a pretty good time. And she, she you know, she fun. may not be here forever. She likes the coast. She does love the coast. So, she, we're we're lucky we still have her. Man. I we'll know. see what happens. I know. One day Jacobson's gonna gonna give her the right money and get get give her a space out there. I think so. Uh, yeah, but she wants to go further north. She's up in Alaska, as far as I as. Oh you know, yeah. Yeah. She's she's. She, She's a hearty girl. She's good at crabbing, I'll tell you that. Yeah. So, and the other thing I wanted to thank you for, and any other former or previous or uh, upcoming guests, you sent us the best possible list of (laughs) shit to talk about than anybody ever has, so I really appreciate that. You're welcome, man. I like talking about shit, so. And I feel like I just got to babble through this whole thing right now. (laughs) No, it's good. Well, I hope there's a little bit for Chano to call you out on. Uh, You know, Dave Chano, I love you. That's a good way to end. Yep. Yeah, that's it. All right. Do you right at the Fork is supported by PortlandFoodAndDrink.com. The legendary food dude dishes up Portland food news and comprehensive guides to just about everything that has to do with food in Portland. From coffee and wine shops to bakeries and more. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Intro music by Ariel Varinas. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Yeah,